Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. If you'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, tonight we're talking about in our series on the last day's survival guide. Are you excited about this one? The overcomer. The overcomer. God calls us overcomers. We need to understand clearly, based on what Scripture says, simple message tonight, what it means to be an overcomer. What Jesus did to make it possible for us to do so, this, of course, as we've told you in these series of messages, is not an elaborate study on any one of these subjects because you could go into weeks teaching on any one of them. But it'll give you a good overview of understanding what the Bible teaches about you and me. If we understand this and we walk in the light of it, we will not be the overcome. We will be the overcomer. Because the truth is, God's already made us overcomers. We just need to walk in the light of what he already has done for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18, we're going to see some vital things that help us begin to understand this, even as it relates to our inner man, the new spirit that's on the inside of us. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Say, the outward man is perishing. Now that doesn't mean we have to put up with things that obviously are not of God. But it does mean that our bodies are obviously growing older. In the context of that, don't accept anything that's of the devil. Don't accept anything that the Bible says that you have a right to be redeemed from as it relates to your health and your strength and your body. If Moses could live in the Old Testament to be 120 and not have his strength diminished, so can you and me. But it doesn't mean that I can do at the age of 60 what I did when I was 20. There are some facts to the understanding that, yeah, my outward man is perishing. But listen to this. Underline it. Notice this. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Underline that. The inward man is that spirit man. The inward man is the new you. He is being renewed day by day. Day. He's getting stronger if you let him. He's getting stronger if you allow it. Verse 17, notice what he says next. For our light affliction, what we deal with in this world, in this earth, as an earthling, for this light affliction, which is but for a moment, underline that, no matter what you go through in the eyes of God and the truth in relationship to all of time, it's but a moment of time. He said, but this outward light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working. Listen to this. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Because what that means is if we allow what happens on the outside to be dealt with in a biblical manner in our life and how we address it, then those outward things will make us stronger inwardly. We'll say that again. Whatever happens on the outside, if we deal with it from a biblical perspective of who God made us to be, it'll just make us stronger on the inside. The Bible tells us that trials and tests and challenges to our faith, if we walk in light of what Scripture tells us how we're to handle those things, will simply make make us stronger of character, 
stronger of faith, stronger spiritually. See, a lot, you know, think of it like a, a you know, context of a bodybuilder, weightlifter. If he wants to get stronger physically, guess what? He's going to have to put his body through some trials and challenges. He can't just sit on the couch and get stronger physically. When, you, when you're lifting, you know, weights, what you're doing is you're putting those muscles through a challenge. You're, you're, you're literally causing your, your uh, body parts physically to be challenged. When you get challenged in the natural from things, but you deal with them biblically, guess what? You're still going to face challenges. But when you handle them biblically, you become stronger on the inside. You become stronger, renewed on the inside on that inner man. So again, our light affliction, verse 17, is but for a moment. Say a moment. No matter how bad you may think it may be, no matter how long of stuff you might go through, in the eyes of God and truthfully in the eyes of, of what we need to see as a believer, it's but for a moment. But it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 18. If we walk it out biblically, it will bring, us, it will bring glory to God. 18. While we do not look, you should have this underlined. We do not look at the things which are seen. Now, if you're looking at the things which are seen, you're not going to develop internally. But if we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, notice this, because the things which are seen are what? Temporary. They're not eternal. You, you need to remind yourself of this all the time. No matter how big of a challenge you ever face in the natural, you should never forget this verse. That's temporary. Now, the context of this in the Greek says it this way. That is subject to change. What you see of the natural is subject to change. How many, how many know what's going on in the weather right now? Subject to change. You know the saying in Texas, just hang around a little while, it, it, talking about the weather, and it'll change. Why? Because it's something of the natural. So it is what? It is subject to change. What about your challenges? What about your circumstances? Subject to change. Why? They're temporary. So he says clearly in the last part of verse eight, uh, uh, 18, for the things which are seen are temporary, subject to change, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. Now that also includes your spirit man. Amen. You can't see your spirit man. I can't see yours, but he's eternal. That's right. That spirit man is eternal. Look at your notes, number one. There are, there are inner victories as well as the outer victories of our life. If we win outer victories, guess what else you're winning? Inner victories. Because you're becoming stronger. <clears throat> Every time you walk in the light of Scripture and you win a vict victory on the outside, you're winning victories on the inside. You're becoming stronger as a believer. So again, inner there are inner victories as well as the outer victories of our life. 1A, when we keep our focus on what is not seen, when we keep our focus... Come on, you had... Several great messages while I was gone about this. You know, Matt touched on it Sunday. Brandy touched on it last, uh, last week about being captured. What a great message. Uh, uh, what, are you, what are you obviously seeing in relationship, like capturing a picture? What do, you, what do you see of yourself as to how you've been captured by God? Uh, Matt talked about being focused on God. So again, when we keep our focus on what is not seen, I mean, you know, you can't see God. Notice what we do. We go stronger in the unseen realm. Say it with me and, and personalize it. Say, when I keep my focus on what is not seen, I go stronger. I grow stronger in the unseen realm. But if you focus on what is seen, you're not going to get stronger 
in the unseen realm. Because you're going to allow the, the, what, is, what is seen to affect how you're living your life. 1B, what is seen is again what? Temporary or, the definition, subject to change. But what is not seen is what? So what's not seen? God. What's not seen? You. What is not seen? Literally in context to what God has promised in His Word as it relates to what Scripture says. It's not something you can just see and go pick up. It's written. It can come in a manifestation in the natural. But you don't see healing in the natural before you get it. You see healing in the spiritual. You see healing based on the Word of God. You can't see it in the body first. You know, when, when, when that lame man was brought to Jesus in context to those who let him down through the roof and laid him before Jesus, remember what Jesus said? He said, take up your bed and walk. Now, the minute Jesus spoke that, was there any healing manifest in that man's body? Zero. None. There was no, there was no bodily manifestation, manifestation of healing yet. He had to believe in what he said in the unseen realm. Couldn't see it yet. But he had to believe in it by looking and seeing it from a natural of the inner eye, faith. And when he took a hold of it with the inner eye, the inner man, and he acted upon it, guess what happened? Then he saw it manifest in the natural realm. He was not healed when Jesus spoke those words. If he'd have laid on that mat and never give, made an attempt to get up, there'd have been no healing. Because the healing wasn't manifest when Jesus spoke the words. The healing was already there. But it was manifested when he took hold of it in the unseen and acted upon it in the natural. Come on, somebody. So again, back to verse 16. You got to understand that we're not to do what? Lose heart. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. Because even though the outward man is going through stuff in the context of what we deal with in the natural, you got to remind yourself this. If I don't lose heart in relationship to any battle I face, guess what? My inner man is going to get stronger. How do I do that? I don't allow what is going on in the natural to be something that I get caught up with. I look at them as light afflictions because they're what? Temporary. You listening? Walk through this with me. Verse 16. I, if I don't lose heart, my inward man gets stronger. Lose heart what? In what goes on in the natural. In the outer rim. How do I not do that? Verse 17, I see what goes on as a light affliction because I see what's in the natural as subject to change. Therefore, verse 18, I don't focus on what's going on in the natural. Come on, somebody. With your finances, with your spouse, with, with your situation, with your health. Come on, with what's going on in our government. You don't look up, you don't, that's not what you focus on. You focus on what's not seen. What did God say? What does His Word say about that situation? That's what you focus on. I mean, if people could get this one little thing down. If you focus on what's seen, guess what you're not looking at? Let me, let me help you. What God said. I'll say it again. If you're focused on what's seen, you're not focused on what? What God said. What you see, if it's obviously not op, op, coming out the way, operating the way God wanted it to, isn't going to change by focusing on that. If you focus on that, you're going to react to that. <clears throat> and you're going to react to that in a way that ain't good. That's not what you focus on. If you get nothing else tonight in this entire message, get this. As long as you focus on what's seen, you will not do what God said. But if you stop focusing on what's seen and instead focus on what God said, you'll change what's seen. Why? Because you're an overcomer. Right. 
You can look at what's seen and say, you know what? I've already overcome. God's already given me victory. Now, if I get focused on that, guess what I'm going to respond to? What I'm seeing. I'm going to focus on what I see. If I do focus on what I see, how am I going to respond? I'm going to respond to what I'm seeing, not what God said. Are you listening? So I don't focus on what's seen. I don't deny it. I don't say it's not there, but that's not my focus. What's my focus? On what God said. Because if what God said would already come to pass in that situation, I would already see it in the natural. Are you listening? Hey, wait a minute. Even God's manifest promises, once seen, can change. Because if I don't stay in faith, right? You could see somebody get healed in the manifestation of their body, actually see it manifest, but you know people have lost their healing? Why? Because they get focused on what they see. Then all of a sudden a symptom comes back. And they're still focused on what they see. They're going, they're going based on whether they're healed or not based on what they see, not what God said. So you got to do what? You got to focus on the unseen, what God said, and it'll change what you see. Now, every time you do that, every time you do this and not lose heart and stay focused on what God said and see what's in the natural change, guess where you become stronger? You become stronger spiritually. You listening? Because now you're exercising faith from your spirit man, and that helps your spirit man grow. 1 Corinthians, back up. 1 Corinthians 15. This is how you walk as an overcomer. You will not walk as an overcomer focused on what's seen. You will walk as an overcomer focused on what, focused on what God said. Any given situation, if it's not working out the way God said, i got to go to the Word of God and find out what did God say I need to be doing here. That's what I focus on. Tell your neighbor, I really hope you're paying attention tonight. You listening? That little nugget is worth all of what you need to know as a believer to walk in victory as a child of God. Because this is why Satan works so hard to get us focused on the natural. No different from me than you or anybody else, no matter who you are. It's like Brother Hagin said, I learned early on to get rid of the sin of worry. He said, I was a world champion warrior because my mom was a world champion warrior and my grandma was a world champion warrior. They were champions at it. If they would have had a world championship for warriors, they'd have won every year. They, they were the best I'd ever seen at it. They talk worry all the time. And then it got on me. And he said, I don't care what you talk about. Drugs, alcohol, you name any form of sin in a person's life that they could struggle with, he said, the worst thing that I had as a sin in my life to get rid of was worry. Worry's a sin? Yeah, Jesus said, do not. Guess what that means? It's a sin. It's missing the mark. And he said, I had to come to the place where I finally realized I had to release all my care over onto God. Doesn't mean I don't have any, but I'm not going to carry them. I'm going to release them to God. And he said, I, a lot of people don't understand this about worry. If you worry, a lot of people don't get rid of worry. You want to know why they don't get rid of worry? Can I help you? You know why they don't get rid of worry? How do you get rid of worry? First of all, you got to understand how you get rid of any sin. What's the first thing you're supposed to do when you sin? Hello? If you've not repented from worry, you won't get rid of it. It's a sin. You got to repent. Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me for ever worrying. Because your word tells me not to. Your word says, therefore, I should not have to. Nor do I. Your word says, I do not have to. Because you would not tell me to do something I couldn't do. 
See, if you don't repent from the sin of worry, you can try to cast your care upon God all day long. But if you don't repent from that sin, you know what you're going to do? You're going to keep doing it. You got to make a determination to say, I repent. He said, I told the Lord, I finally told him, I repent for every form of worry I've ever had in my life. And I commit to you, Father, I will not worry anymore. I don't care what it takes. I'm not going to do it. Now, my whole point was to say this. Worry is a part of what, again, comes about by focusing on what? The natural. And after he actually repented of that and truly gave all of his cares to the Lord, I love his statement. He said, are you thinking I never had another care in the rest of my life? Oh, no. He said, I had plenty of cares that came. But he said, I'll tell you what. He said, here's the key. He said, I pass up every single one of those opportunities to worry. I had many opportunities to worry. I just passed them up. By what? Not focusing on them. I focus on what God said, and it worked. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God. Underline it. What a great statement on Thanksgiving Eve. But thanks be to God. Say, thanks be to God. Notice this. Who gives us? Who gives us the victory? What did we, we sing about tonight? He has the victor's crown. He's given us the victory. How? He's done it through our Lord Jesus Christ. 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast, Steadfast, immovable, always, 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 not just tonight in church. What about when you leave? What about tomorrow at Thanksgiving? What about Friday, the day after? What about Saturday? See, always abounding in what? The work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. On your notes number two. It is the Lord Jesus who always gives us the victory. Well, how is it that Jesus always gives us the victory? Because he's already won it. He's already accomplished it. We have to realize what he has done for us is a completed work. There is nothing else he needs to do to give us victory. If we understand what he's done, we understand we walk in victory through him. We walk in victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, through what he's done, through what he's accomplished. So it's through him we obtain the victory by acknowledging what he has already done. On your notes, 2A, never stop abounding also in the work of the Lord, for in doing so you will receive the victory Jesus has provided for you. What's the work of the Lord? Certainly includes going out and sharing your testimony. Certainly includes doing that aspect of what is the work of the Lord. But what else is the work of the Lord? How about developing your faith? How about meditating on the word? These are not works. They are a part of the work of the Lord. I say it all the time. We don't don't do the things that we're supposed to do that's right in the sight of God to get right with God. We do them because we are right with God. We're working out our salvation. We're not working for. We're working out the salvation that he gave us. Can I get a better amen? amen? So understand you and I should abound in the work of the Lord, doing what we should know to do as a believer to keep ourselves strong spiritually, keep ourselves focused on the right things. And in doing so, if you do that, you're going to do what? You're going to walk in the victory God has. Because again, your labor's never in vain. If you're abounding in the work of the Lord, you're going to see results. You're going to see good results. First John chapter 5. Say praise the Lord, somebody. 1 John chapter 5. You know, sadly, you teach these things. It really, it really pains my heart in today's time frame of where we live as a believer. You know, in Jesus' day, 
You know, faith comes by hearing hearing by the Word of God. If you wanted to hear from God back then, you had to get to the prophet or in Jesus' day to Jesus. If you weren't there when he was preaching the Word, you couldn't hear from God. You listening? Now, a lot of people say today, well, I can hear from God. I got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but a lot of people claim to hear stuff from God. Holy Spirit never said because it it's not backed up with the Bible. So now God's given us shepherds in this day you and I live in to do what? To teach us the word of God. When our shepherd is getting up and speaking from God, there's a gift on his life to tell us what God wants us to hear. If every person came to church with an ear to hear, not from their pastor, but from God, you know what you'd walk out of here with every service with? Something God spoke to you. You'd be excited every time you walked out the door. You'd be excited when you came in because you can't wait to hear what God has to say to you. You're anticipating to hear something, and you're going to walk out of here with something he said. I do that every time. Uh, Matt was preaching Sunday morning, man. God spoke two things to me out of that message, and I wrote them down. And I was excited. God spoke to me through that word what I needed to hear. It ain't about Matt. It ain't about Brandy. It ain't about Charlie. It ain't about Pastor. Come on. It's about if, if we have anointed people in the pulpit teaching the word, God has something to say to you. <clears throat> Every time you leave, you should have something take, you take with you that you know God spoke to you. And be excited about it. Why? God spoke it to you. But one of the things you got to understand as it relates to that is you got to know this. Every time that my pastor or whoever he directs by the Holy Spirit to put in that pulpit is going to stand up and say something, God had something to say to me. You live in a blessed age. Because if you miss a service, there is no reason why you can't go listen to that service you missed. It doesn't mean God didn't say something that you were supposed to hear. He did. Come on, somebody. We got no excuse to not hear from God. Because we got every avenue available to us. First, and I kind of put the context of what the Bible says. In relationship to the day you live in, to whom much is given, much is required. God's given us so much access to what we need. If we're not taking advantage of it, we got nobody to blame but ourselves. Don't blame the devil because you're not hearing the word. 1 John chapter 5, say praise the Lord, somebody. If you can't say, oh, oh, praise, if you can't say praise the Lord, say, oh, me in Jesus' name, because uh, you can still praise the Lord. He's speaking to your heart. 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God, if you are, raise your hand and say, that be me. Whatever is born of God, notice this, overcomes the world. Well, why is it if people are born again, they're not overcoming the world? Because they don't understand that they've already been given the victory. They don't, over, they don't understand what he's stating is that that victory is already yours. This statement, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, means that overcoming victory is already yours. And this is the victory or the way we obtain that victory. Notice, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Notice verse 5. Who is he therefore who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is Son of God? Believes what? That Jesus is the Son of God. Because if Jesus is the Son of God, then we have lots of Scripture that teach us what the Son of God accomplished for us. If Jesus was not the Son of God, we still need to wait for the Son of God to come so we could get the victory God promised. But if we believe Jesus is the Son of God, how many believe Jesus is the Son of God? Then there's nothing else He needs to do to come to get the victory for us. Because the Bible tells us over and over again in Scripture what the Son of God would do when He came and how He would obtain victory for us. Look at your notes, 1 John 5, 4 through 5, number 3 there. It is our faith in the person of Jesus that overcomes the world. In the person, who He is. 
Because if he is the son of God, then everything the Bible says that the son of God would do has already been done. Did you get that point? Read it again. It is our faith. Say my faith. faith. Say it this way. It is my faith faith. in the person of Jesus. What do you mean the person? He's the son of God. It is my faith in the person of Jesus that overcomes the world. Because if he is the son of God, then everything the Bible says the son of God would do has already been done. Already been done. Notice this on your notes 3A. Once you're born again, you've been given victory over all that is in the world because of what Jesus did. 3B, this victory was provided for us by what Jesus himself again has done. How many believe he's the son of God? Nothing else he needs to do. How many believe Jesus is the son of God? Nothing else God needs to do. How many believe Jesus is the son of God? Nothing else the Holy Ghost needs to do. He's waiting on us to accept it. He's waiting on us to believe it. 3C, the person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God is the kind of person who overcomes the world. I think of a testimony I heard this morning. Sad situation. Brother Hagin was with the minister who had preached the gospel for years. He got afflicted in body. He was in the hospital. At the time, Brother Hagin found out about his physical ailments that actually now put him in the hospital. He goes to the hospital to visit him, pray for him. He's there talking to him, full gospel minister, knows the Bible, knows what the Bible teaches about healing, all that. And he encourages him, gives him the word, tells him, you know, Jesus has already done this for you. All you got to do is receive it. He said, this is the only time in my life I ever experienced this, Brother Hagin did, in a situation where I was actually ministering to somebody about healing. But as I was talking to him, I was telling him, I was saying, now you know what you need to do, brother? You need to act in faith. Reach out and receive the healing Jesus has. He said, the moment I said that, moment I said that, he said, I saw Jesus appear in the room. And when Jesus appeared in the room, he come over and stood. This guy was sitting in a chair at the time in the, in the hospital room. He was sitting in a chair. He said, Jesus stood there and reached his hands out to him. Right as I said, you just need to reach out and take hold of what Jesus has already done for you. And right when I said that, I see Jesus manifest. And here he is reaching his hands out to this man for him to reach out back to him. And he said, I thought he saw him, but he didn't. Later on, he realized he didn't. And he said, when I told him that, he started to reach out. He, nor- he couldn't get up by himself by his own power without help because of his condition. But when he reached out, all of a sudden he stood up. And he said, I saw Jesus take him by the hands. And he stood up and he started walking. But then he said, no, 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 I can't receive my healing. I just can't. I just can't. And he sat back down. He went through this three times. And even the third time, Brother Hagin said, healing's already yours. Jesus already won the battle. He already gave you victory. Come on, brother. You can receive your healing. You can receive. You can receive. Reach out and receive. And he did it a third time. And then as he started to get up and walk, he said, no, 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 I just can't. I just can't. And he sat back down. That man died, went to his deathbed. He later, after that experience, he said, did you see Jesus standing there? He said, no, he was standing right there. Every time you reached out, he took your hands just waiting for you to go on and walk with him. I just can't receive my healing. I just can't. He said, why can't you? I just can't. You just understand I can't. He said, sure you can. You know why? It's already done. I said, it's already done. There's nothing else he needs to do. He is the son of God. And if he is the son of God, he's already provided victory for us. Come on, somebody. What's the victory therefore that overcomes the world? Our faith in the very fact he is the son of God. Therefore, I already have the victory.
He's already won the victory for me. Every scripture decrees it. Better amen than that. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. The problem for some is they just won't reach out and take it. Well, I just can't because of what I... There are different reasons. He never could get that minister to explain to him why he couldn't. Just said, I can't, I can't, I can't. Never could figure out why. Never could get him to explain why. You know, some people for different reasons would do so, you know, but in relationship to what Jesus did already, understand it's already yours. Amen? All we got to do is accept it by faith because he is the son of God. He already completed his part. Matthew 16. I love these verses. You ready? Verse, verse 13, 16, 13. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Jesus never said I'm the son of God because he knew they had to believe that. But he related to it by saying I'm the son of man because the Bible tells us the son of God would be known as the son of man. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you, church, say that he is? Who do you? Doesn't matter what the pastor says, doesn't matter what Brother Hagin said, doesn't matter what John G. Lake said, doesn't matter what Lester Sumrall said, doesn't matter what anybody else said. What ask, actually matters is, who do you say that he is? Do you say he's your healer? Do you say he's your deliverer? Do you say, he, do you say he's your strength? All that's wrapped up in the fact he is the son of God. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered. He said, you are the Christ. Listen, the son of the living God. So once again, faith is based on the person of Jesus Christ. You are the Christ, meaning what? You're the Messiah, the Deliverer, because you are the Son of God. See, they knew all through Scripture the Son of God would be what? The Deliverer. The Son of God would be what? The Messiah, the Healer, the Physician. Come on, everybody. So he is declaring very clearly, because you are the Son of God, you're this Messiah, this Deliverer. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, bar Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. Notice this, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You can't get it just in your head. You got to get it in listening to the Father. You got to get it in listening to God. You got to get it in your spirit, man. He said, guess what? Notice this. My, uh, you didn't get this by natural knowledge, uh, Peter. My father revealed it to you. 18. Notice this. And I also say to you, you are Peter and on this rock. Now, a lot of people confuse this verse. You're Peter, Petros, which is a little piece of the rock. And on this rock, Petra, notice this, I will build my church. This is the simplicity of what he just said. Go back to what was revealed. What did Paul say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because he's the Son of the living God, he has made it possible for all to do what? For all to become a part of the church, the called out ones. What's the church? The called out ones. How do you become part of the called out ones? You got to believe he's the Son of God. See, the whole context of on this rock I'll build my church is on the revelation that the Son of God has already come. 
If you believe he's already come and accept him as your savior, guess what you become a part of? The church. That's how he builds his church. He builds his church through revelation. He is. There's not another Messiah to come. He is the one. If you have revelation of that, guess what? You can be born again and become a part of the called out ones. And notice what he goes on to say. He says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, of hell, shall not prevail against it. Against what? The true church. The ones who understand and know and walk in the light of this revelation. Why? Verse 19, because he goes on and say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Who has he given the keys of the kingdom of heaven to? The church. The church. Now see, you could be part of the called out ones and not know that you've been given these keys. If you know that he is the son of God, you can become a part of the church and be built upon the rock. But for the gates of hell to not prevail against you, you got to know that you've been given keys. You understand all that? So the first thing is to build his church, you got to know he's the son of God. You can't become a called out one without knowing. He already came. He's not going to yet come. He already did. If I believe in my heart that he is the son of God, he was raised from the dead, I call upon him to be my Lord, guess what I am? Saved. Guess what you become a part of? The church. But from there, I now need to advance and understand because I'm a part of the church, I've been given keys. And if I understand these keys, the gates of hell. Gates represent forms of authority. The powers of hell, the powers of darkness cannot overcome me. Come on, somebody. That would make you an overcomer. I said that would make you an overcomer. You ought to get a little excited about this. Are you still here? I've taught you, you need to learn to get excited about places in Scripture where it talks about you. This is a place you need to get excited about. Notice this, I will give you. Why did he say, I will give you? Because he hadn't died yet. He hadn't been raised from the dead yet. But the moment he died and was raised from the dead, before he ascended to heaven, he literally said, now you are going to receive the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to go and be my witnesses. So he says here, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys represent the ability to lock and unlock. They represent authority. I have authority over this building. You know why I have authority in this building? I have a key. There's others of you that have authority relating to this building. You have a key. You can unlock the door or you can lock the door. You can get in or you can lock it and keep other people out. That's authority. So these keys were given to the keys of the kingdom. What? Heaven. You have the what? Keys to the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whatever you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, it will be loose in heaven. He literally says here in the Greek, whatever you bind on this earth will have been bound in heaven. What God says in heaven has been bound here. You have the authority to bind. You have the authority to bind Satan from off your family. You have the authority to bind sickness. Anytime, you know, two days ago, an attack started on my body. I remind sickness and disease. I remind it. You are not Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord over my body. He's supreme in authority. Now, don't say that if you do things with your body you shouldn't do. But I decree in Jesus, if you have, you repent. But I decree Jesus is Lord over my body, and therefore you cannot reside in my body because I have authority over you. And I bind you in Jesus' name. And whatever you loose on earth, 
If it's been loosed in heaven, you have it available. Has healing been loosed? You have it available. You can loose it through your words and start declaring your body healed and well. So you and I should be walking as an overcomer if we'll walk in the light again of not only the fact he's the son of God, because he has fulfilled all things, I also now have what? All authority. Come on, somebody. Number four, the gates of hell will not prevail against the one. Notice this. Gates of hell will not prevail against one who knows who Jesus is by revelation, for they realize he came to provide victory for them. See, when you understand the revelation of who he is, you realize he didn't come to win this victory for him. He came to win this victory for me. Uh, 4A, we must have revelation of who Jesus is. 4B, when we know who he is, we will know who we now are. Underline it. Once we get to know him, guess who we really get to know? Us. Because he gave us this authority. He gave us the same position as he has in, in the heavenlies. As Kathy talks about all the time, take your place. 4C, notice this, knowing who we are in him, we can now do what? Tell me. Use the authority he's given to us. See, if I know, so just look at the progression. If I know him, I become a part of the church. This is what he builds the church on, knowing him, revelation of him. How many glad you got revelation of Jesus? You wouldn't be born again without it. It's not head knowledge that gets that to you. It's revelation in the heart. Once you have that revelation of who he is, you can be born again. Guess what? You're now part of the church. But as I continue to develop in revelation of knowing who he is, I start to get to know who, because I'm one spirit with the Lord. You listening? And if I keep getting to know who he is and therefore knowing who I am, guess what I start understanding how to use? My rightful authority. Because it's his authority that he gave to me. Shout amen, somebody. Now, if you walk in the light of that, you certainly cannot be overcome. Go to Psalm 71. Let's look at a couple other cool verses here. And then we'll finish up talking about, how many want to, when we get ready to close tonight, and we're going to shout and give God praise for it, how many want to find out what the overcomers get? We'll give you seven things that the overcomers get in the future to come. Not just only in this life, but even things in the future. Psalm 71, and we're going to receive communion, and we're going to remind ourselves of what Jesus did to make us overcomers. Psalm 71, you there? Verse 14, that was two of you. Psalm 71, are you there? Yes. Amen, that's a little better. Psalm 71, verse 14, but I will hope continually, underline that. I will hope what? Continually. Continually. Maintain my hope. What's your hope in? What's your hope in? She just said it. What's your hope in? God. Your hope is in God. I will hope continually. Notice, and will therefore what? Praise you, talking about God, yet what? More and more. I will hope what? Continually. You know what I'm not going to let the enemy do? Rob me of my hope. How can Satan rob you of your hope? Wrong focus. But what does he do to rob you of your hope? What's he done? What's your hope in? What's your hope in? Where should your focus be? How does Satan rob you of your hope? Get your eyes off of God. If you get your eyes off of God, you're going to lose hope. Because he's your hope. If God's my hope, my expectation of all that's good, if God's my hope, 
If he is all the expectation of what is good, but I get my eyes off of him, I lose my hope. No hope, your faith has nothing to latch on to. You listening? But if I keep my focus on him, I will hope what? Thank you. Say it out loud, Caleb. Or excuse me. Say Say it out loud, Clayton. Continually. Continually. I will hope what? Everybody? Therefore, what will I do? I will praise you. I will praise you yet more and more. Why? Because I stay focused on him. How could you look to God and not keep praising God? Psalm 71, 14. Number five on your notes. A real overcomer, say I am one, is one whose hope is in, whose hope in God is, a, is what? Unfailing. A real overcomer, one who really is an overcomer, is one whose hope in God is unfailing. And notice this, they've learned to do what? Praise Him yet more and more. You don't stop praising God. If you're an overcomer, you just keep on praising Him. How about Paul and Silas? Go to Micah chapter 7. I don't, you know, you got to understand this. Sometimes you got to try to shake people. I don't ever, nor does God tell us to, you don't ever belittle somebody's problem. People face really challenging problems in life, no doubt. They go through some really major battles, major challenges in life. But you know, a lot of times we look at our situation and think it's really bad. You know, start looking at what all the disciples went through. And yet they did what? I mean, after being beaten with rods, locked in stocks in the very bottom part of the dungeon of the prison, prison where all of the, uh, of the aspects of the sewer wound up and all the rats were running around. I mean, nasty, nasty. And you know what they were doing down there? You know what they were doing down there? Praying and praising their God. See, a lot of people don't overcome because the moment a circumstance turns bad, they ain't praising God. Wait a minute, why are they not praising God? Because they ain't focused on Him. What are they looking at? Back to our first verse. They're looking at what's seen. They're not looking at what God said. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We're the overcomer. Micah 7. This is one of Dr. Barclay and Mrs. B's favorite verses of the Bible. I want you to see this. Micah 7. She got a hold of this verse when cancer attacked her body. And she decreed it over and over and over again. Verse 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Fall means you've come, in, you've come under a battle. Maybe you've tripped up. Maybe you've faltered. Maybe you've fallen. But you know what you need to do? Rise back up. Falling doesn't mean you failed. You listening? Falling means you've been attacked. Maybe you did get off in a fleshy moment. Maybe you did get caught up with those circumstances. Don't stay there. I said, don't stay there. What you need to do, rise back up. When I fall, I will arise. Notice this. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be what? Oh, come on, somebody. Even though I may be facing darkness, guess what? The Lord will be a light to me. The Lord will be a light to me. Those who do what? Those who tell their enemy, don't you dare rejoice over me. Don't you dare. Even though it looks like I'm fallen, even though it looks like I'm covered in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Therefore, I'm going to do what? I'm going to rise up, man. Just like Paul and Silas. How do you rise? You start praising your God. You start worshiping your God. Hallelujah. Notice this on your notes, number six. Don't gloat over me, my enemies, for though I have fallen, I shall do what? Tell me out loud. 
Rise back up again. 6A, the overcomer never accepts defeat. Never, never, ever. Never, 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 ever. I said this to somebody today. I'll say it to all of you today. In relationship to any part of your life. What's your goals? What's your goals in your marriage? What's your goals with your kids? What's your goals with your job? What's your goals with your life in general? See, if your goal is to fail, you will. If your, goal is, if your goal is to find a way out, you will. But if your goal is to win, guess what? You will. You know why? Because you won't quit. Doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean you don't trip up. Doesn't mean you don't sometimes stumble. But you know what? You don't stay down. Ever and ever, ever. If your goal is to win, guess what you do? You get back up. What was my goal from the time I was 13? Got slammed on my back after getting on my first bull and lost all the air and knocked out me. Thought I was going to die and then finally got my air back. You know what my goal was? I want to be a professional bull rider. Guess what happened for the next five years of my life? One qualified ride in five years. You know how many times I got slammed down? Time and time. And you know what I did every single time? I got back up. I got back on. I said, I ain't quitting. You know, how, you, know how much, you know how much strength you can get as a believer from God if you just say, I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. You listening? I said, I'm not quitting. I'm going to be a professional bull rider. And guess what? I became professional bull rider. Now, if you could do that of things of the natural, church, come on. How much more of the spiritual if you tell your enemy, I don't care what you throw at me. I got a word for you, Satan. Well, I ain't saying that he might throw more at me. That's ridiculous. He's already got you hoodwinked. Come on. If he can shut you up, guess what? He just robbed you of your power. You got to decree the word of God to release power. Come on, you need to tell your enemy. Let me tell you something, enemy. I ain't quitting. You listen to it? It don't matter how many times you try to knock me down. I just get right back up. Because even in the midst of darkness, my Lord will be a light to me. I'm preaching better than your amen in today. You got to realize you cannot look at anything in life and all of a sudden allow it to be something that causes you to quit. You listening? It was Vince Lombardi that said, you know what? Uh, quit, winners never quit and quitters never win. Right. Now, I don't remember if it was the other way around first or however he worded that, but it's a powerful statement. Quitters never win, right. but winners never quit. That's right. good, good. And that's absolutely true when it comes to the things of God. Amen. How many times the disciples could have given up, but they didn't? Yeah. All right, 6A. Come on, I need to finish this statement. The overcomer never does what? The overcomer never does what? Come on, say it with me, please. The overcomer never does what? They never accept defeat. The overcomer never accepts defeat for they know. Say they know. Notice they know if they rise back up, God will do what? He'll bring them to victory. He'll bring them to victory. All right. How many want to learn seven benefits of the overcomer? Are you sure? Revelation Revelation 2. Come on, we'll go through them real quick. There's seven benefits that Jesus talked about in the church, into the churches in Revelation that will come to the overcomer. I'd like to reveal them to you tonight. Revelation 2.7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, you ought to underline these. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What's the tree of life? What's it? We don't know all that. I just know that I'm going to get to eat of it if I overcome. And I'm excited about that. Number one, what will you do? You'll eat of the tree of life. 
Down a little further, chapter 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear again what the Spirit says to the churches. To who? So this doesn't work for sinners. They can't hear from God. They don't have the Holy Spirit. But you can be part of the church and still not give an ear to hear. Get bored with church. Act like it's just your pastor preaching another message. Well, that's a pretty good message. You weren't hearing from God. You weren't listening to God. Come on, somebody. Every time you go to hear the word preached. If you sat in a church that is so religiously bound that most of what they taught you was man-made doctrine, but if they just referred to some scriptures, you could get something out of them because God's word has something to say to you. Now, I wouldn't encourage you to go to such a church. I'm just telling you, you still could. 11, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. To the churches, he who overcomes. Underline it, say he who overcomes. Watch this, he shall not be hurt by the second death. What's the second death? Separation from God forever. Damnation. Number two, you will not be hurt by second death. Another benefit. Verse 17, a little further down. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. What's that like? Oh, it's going to be good. What's it taste like? Don't know. We ain't had it yet. But it'll be better than Krispy Kreme itself. Name your favorite thing. It'll be better, man. He said, I'm going to give you some of the hidden manna to eat. Why is it hidden? You can't get it yet. Can't get it unless you overcome. Notice this. And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Number three, you will not only receive a hidden manna, but you're also going to get a new name. Remember, Jesus gave new names to all of his disciples. I'm curious to find out my new name. It's written on a stone. He's got it waiting for me if you overcome. Verse 26, a little further down, same chapter. You still with me? He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end. My works. Keeps them to the end. My works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. Power over the nations. We don't fully understand how that's all going to work, but we know the Bible tells us clearly that God, has going, God is going to, for those who overcome, give different aspects of rulership in relationship to the future. Promises us this in the Word. Number four, what's the fourth promise? You'll be given power, what? Over the nations. Revelation 3, verse 5. You're still with me, aren't you? He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Clothed in what? White garments. Notice this, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Remember what Jesus said, you deny me before uh, uh, man, I'll deny you before the father. Mean what? Your name's going to get blotted out. But God, uh, help us to not deny his name before anybody. Get a better amen. Number five, your name will not be what? Blotted out of the book of life and you'll be clothed with white garments. Now, you know, people say there's no way you can lose your salvation. Then why would he mention getting your name blotted out of the book of life? If your name's in the book of life, that means right now you are prepared and ready for eternity. But what if your name gets blotted out? You're not going to stay there. But for he who overcomes? Come on, somebody. Revelation 3.12, a little further down. These are Jesus' words. And I don't care what any modern day preacher says. I'm going by what Jesus said. 
Not, not what some preacher says. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar. A what? A pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. Glory to God. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Number six, you will be known as what? A pillar. A mainstay in the house of God. Glory be to God. Not a physical pillar, you understand. Just means you're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Last one, verse 21 of chapter 3. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Wow. I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Number seven, you will be granted to sit with Jesus on his throne. Church of everything we talked about tonight, Watch your focus in life. Please, 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 please stop doing what 2 Corinthians 4 tells you not to do. Stop looking at what's seen. Meaning what, Pastor? Stop allowing it to affect what you think, how you feel, what you say, what you do. How do I not look at what's seen, Pastor? Look to his word. Let's do it tonight. Let's look to his word as we receive communion. Let's look to his word in relationship to communion of what all the Bible says he accomplished for us by his body and his blood. If you need a healing tonight, get it, man. Take, take, take hold of it tonight. Lay claim to it tonight. Say it's mine in Jesus' name as you receive the, the bread that represents the broken body to heal yours. And remember that blood is an acknowledgement of my covenant with God. I'm a covenant child, meaning what? Therefore, I am an overcomer. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be. See, the reality of being an overcomer means what? What does the reality of being an overcomer mean? You're going to face battles. Why would he call you an overcomer if there's not something to overcome? Right? You're going to face battles. But if you do what the Bible says, you overcome because you are an overcomer. There's no reason to make you an overcomer if there's not battles to face to overcome. But thank God he's already provided the way. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.